says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me in the co-pilot seat is my good mate, 60s. How are you doing on this week, mate? Mate, I'm doing tremendously well. I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today because there is a bit of news about. And it, it sort of feels right now that we are in the footy season with the, the junior reps starting. We've got the All-Stars game. Yeah, it's All-Stars week, baby. Yeah, I'm excited oh, for mate, the NRLWs. There's that much going on that it, it feels like it's footy season now, and uh, can't wait to talk talk about it. As I said, well, let's dive right into it because there's a bit of Parramatta news to get through from the last seven days since we did our podcast. Starting with the big news that the uh, Eels are moving to a co-captain model. Obviously, Quinton Gufferson's done a tremendous job leading the team, leading the club for a number of years now. But the Eels have promoted Junior Paulo to equal footing and as, as a co-captain for the Blue and Gold. And it's not really a big surprise, is it, mate? Because Junior's always been a talismanic figurehead for the team and has always been part of that big leadership group that's there behind the captain. Yeah. I mean, we are really talking about senior players and leadership groups. And I suppose it's it's formalising the that head of the leadership group. And I I know there's people out there that don't like co-captains, but they'll they'll have it worked out who's who's doing the on-field talking, which you would imagine is going to be mostly uh, gutho. But it, it does make it easier for um, other sorts of club responsibilities as well of the captains. Um, it it does acknowledge Junior Paulo's important role within the club as a senior player and also as a local product who's come through our system mm-hmm. and um, you know is is a good a good leader, a good a good role model for the uh, the younger players coming through. So uh, I like the decision, mate. Yeah, it's certainly not unhappy from it in my court, mate. Junior, like I said, is a talismanic figure at the club. Uh, he's a, a bloke that is really a fascinating interview to listen to always. He's quite articulate and he has some great opinions on the state of the game and beyond that. And on top of that, on the field, he is definitely one of the guys that players gravitate to. So much pivotal moments in, in games are centred around him offensively and defensively. So... You talk about guys that lead by example as much as anything, and that's junior. So yeah, yeah, it ha- is. Happy it is. And the thing is, he's he's very much someone who's been there and done that in in a lot of areas of, of the game of rugby league and and in, in growing up and maturing as a player. So mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot to offer. I agree. So yeah, not no no uh, issues or qualms of that move by the club for me, and it's certainly not a knock on Gufferson, is it? Who's done a, a fantastic job leading from the helm. It's more a reflection of how important junior is to the club, if anything else. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, agree. Uh, we talked about it in the intro just before, 60s, but it is All-Stars Week, and uh, I suppose the game's sort of been confined a little bit to a almost a gimmicky status. There's been some uh, interesting rule uh, experiments have done with the uh, game in the past. Uh, I suppose the big thing for the Parramatta Eels this year is their heavy representation in the NRLW side of things. The Parramatta Eels have five representatives on Saturday night, four in the Maori All-Stars, one in the Indigenous All-Stars. So let's start with the Maoris. Uh, Batil Veti-Welsh starting at fullback alongside Josefi Daniels, Nita Maynard and Kennedy Charrington, all in that starting team. So that's wonderful representation for the blue and gold there. And on the Indigenous All-Stars side of things, we've got uh, Tamaya Kelly-Sines, who is also starting in the back row, I believe, right, 60s? 
Yeah, and uh, and as you said, there's real excitement about the number of representatives that we've got in that in that game. I mean, first and foremost, this is a, a tremendous um, an event for um, two really proud cultures mm-hmm. coming together, and they have all the experiences that they that they uh, have organised through the week. Um, we have the real celebration of the cultures at the game, but. For us as Parramatta supporters this year, being able to watch the game and see so many representatives from our NRLW team participating in that game, just it gives it an extra edge for us as supporters. We're all champing at the bit for the first round of the NRLW. Um, so this is like, it's like a little taste being able to watch certain players and uh, whether they're playing for the Maori All-Stars or, or for the Indigenous All-Stars. It's going to be exciting to watch. You made an important distinction there as well, mate, because I mentioned at times this game in its past iterations had been somewhat gimmicky, and that was more when it was the NRL All-Stars versus the Indigenous All-Stars, and you sort of had some weird and funky rules slipped in. When they changed the identity of this game recently from NRL All-Stars to Maori All-Stars versus Indigenous All-Stars, like you mentioned, it really allowed the code as a greater entity to celebrate the fantastic cultures behind the two teams. So that's been a great step forwards. And like you said, it becomes more of a cultural experience throughout the entire week, not just the Saturday night. Yeah, that's it. And and the players get as much out of that as as does the general community's awareness of uh, the two cultures. So um, just, just seeing how much they enjoy that participation in – uh, the different events through the week, the players that is, it's um, it, it's it adds it adds to that build up and that enjoyment, that that celebration that occurs when the match kicks off. Yep, so definitely a nice way to spend the Saturday night watching the men and women of the All Stars in action. So make sure you get your seats, or if you're going to the game, get your tickets ready. But otherwise, have an enjoyable spectating experience at home. Moving on to another piece of news this week, and this one is a nice little bit of heartwarming news. The uh, Parramatta Eels and the Cronulla, Cronulla Sutherland Sharks have obviously been tied together with the Johnny Manor Cup in recent years, celebrating the life of former uh, Shark and Eel Johnny Manor, younger brother of club legend Tim. Um, they've announced the Johnny Manor Walk for Lymphoma, which will go from Combank Stadium to Pointsbet Stadium, aiming to raise much-needed funds for a worthy cause, uh, that cause being the Hodgkin Lymphoma Research, I believe. Uh, so... What's going to happen is that Eels legend and Johnny and John's big brother Tim will join a host of former NRL stars for the 35-kilometre trek, including Luke Lewis, Ben Ross, Jeremy Lattimore, Adam Dykes, Jonathan Docking and Craig Gower, as well as both CEOs from each club, Jim Sarantinos and Dino Mezzatetsta. Uh, so lymphoma is the number one cancer in people aged between 15 and 29. It's the third most common cancer in children, and obviously it's impacted uh, the Eels and Sharks significantly with the passing of Johnny. And this is an initiative to further that Johnny Manor Cup into even you know uh, greater means to help a, f- a fantastic cause. So, well, I suppose it it, it takes it from um, being a, an acknowledgement of John's place in the in the memories and in the hearts of the supporters of both clubs, and takes it to a practical place, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like a, a, it it's it takes it to that. Uh, and, and we know that there was great work behind the scenes anyway with the Manor Foundation. But Correct. having it having it take this next step 
in terms of awareness and fundraising, it, it as I said, it, I think it, it adds that, um, and I don't know that practicality is the, the right word to use, but it's it, it, it makes it a, a more significant event, and yeah, that's a good thing. I know it's kind of difficult to phrase because you're you're actioning the the best parts of his legacy to a, a fantastic cause, and like we said, we've already celebrated uh, his life rather than commiserating his loss with the Johnny Manor Cup and the Manor Foundation. But this is just taking it to the next level, and it's a fantastic cause. So well done to both clubs uh, for for pushing to have this make uh, have this become a, a regular occurrence. I hope, and hopefully, it's successful for round two. So. Moving on to uh, just quickly some junior rep results. We'll talk about these in depth with Joe Grimer uh, just ahead in the podcast. But in terms of the actual breakdown of the round one action, Eels unfortunately losing in all three grades, 60s. That was uh, a less than ideal start to the campaign for the Mats, Ball and Gale. But for the Gale, it was definitely a, a noble defeat. And I think a platform was laid for greater success down the road. But let's start with the Harold Matthews who took on the Roosters out at Mascot Oval, I believe it was. Yeah, Mascot Oval. That's where we were out there at Saturday. And they went down, I believe, 22-14 to 14 for the Eels. Michael Gabriel scoring the opening try for the Blue and Gold. Luke Maroon and Richard Penasini, the two flankers, also scoring. Uh, Muhammad Al-Madin could only convert one of the three opportunities. This was a frustrating game, wasn't it, mate? Uh, anytime you're talking about lack of completions, you're going to be talking about frustrations yeah. because... The and and it also completions don't tell the the full story because it, you can have a complete and uh, incomplete set on tackle four or five as against an incomplete set on tackle one and the outcomes can be uh, greatly different and we even had uh, a uh, an error as as we will probably talk to Joey about mm-hmm. which was from the kickoff. Where the front rower overran the half after so after the points, <laughs> just... straight straight after that was the first that, that was a restart after half time. Oh, was it? Sorry, it was after half time. You're right. Yeah, we we yeah. gone into half time with by scoring late in the half and taking the ascendancy, come out of half time and and turn the ball over immediately. Just back back breaking yeah. stuff, and they'll certainly be better than that. But it is just must be so frustrating for the players and coaches alike to inflict those wounds upon themselves. Yeah. Now, look, I had a look at the replay of that, and look, it was a it was a fairly tough and tight call. But you just don't put yourself into that situation yeah, don't, where don't, I give the, the match official chance. can call that. Yep. Control that what one. you can control. Exactly. That that that's it. Exactly. I mean, uh, um, if if I was if I was being harsh on the officials, I might have said it was close to a pedantic call because it was. I, I thought it was line ball, but I guess if you're talking about a line ball from that situation where the defence is nowhere near you, um, you, you're talking about that it has to be executed a lot better, and that's that's those sort of little attention to details, and and really um, there were aspects of of the game where it just wasn't clicking. the The runners were overrunning the ball players, and but the ball players were just still throwing the ball. There was ball lost in contact. There was ball lost in play the ball. It was just a myriad of uh, of errors. And uh, you'd have to assume that the team is going to be better for the run. And we spoke about it during the match that it felt like a trial match again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't want to be too harsh on the on the young players because they're still in that process of 
forming their combinations as a team, and there's it's been a very interrupted preseason. Yeah, and it's, it's obviously not a lost it's not a lost season because of one game. They'll be yeah. better than this, and they'll learn from their mistakes. But they would have just been disappointed in themselves for how they executed or failed to execute. Yeah, that's right. It was. Um, it was a doubleheader at Mascot, but before we get to the second game, let's bounce up to the Central Coast where the SG Boar fell to the Roosters 14-8. to uh, Eels once again had the ascendancy at halftime in this clash uh, before getting run down due to, I think it was a back-to-back sort of coach killer errors again. Yeah, the the SG Boar very much had, well, they had the run of play throughout the second half as well. So they were leading at halftime, had possession and territory for the major part of the second half. Final 10 minutes. But couldn't convert any points and then, yeah, got into the final 10 minutes, an error and then uh, made to pay for the error and it was and it was almost the first one, if not uh, if it wasn't the first attacking opportunity that the Roosters had deep in Parramatta's half, there'd been very few beforehand in that, in that second half. So um, they converted the points uh, coach might have been a bit disappointed with how easily the points were converted, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, they they made it a double by working back downfield again not long after the kickoff and and putting the match out to a six point uh, lead to them, and that was that was all she wrote. So um, again, uh, a lost opportunity, probably more of a lost opportunity than the uh, Harold Matts team, but. Uh, this week is a is another week, and um, I think all teams have got a few changes, which we'll we'll uh, uh, we'll probably go through a little bit with Joey. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's 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 tough to start with a loss, but you, you'd like to think that each team will learn a bit from that first round and uh, come out firing against the Bulldogs. And despite sustaining the biggest deficit in their loss of twelve points compared to the, I believe it was. Eight points? Eight points and six points. Eight points and six points, that's right. Uh, the Tasha Gal had the loss with the greatest silver lining by far. Um, we're going to talk about this with Joey, but I thought that this team was very impressive across the park. I really liked the balance of play between power for the middle, speed on the edges, and nice ball playing and second phase opportunities. And the big thing, and we'll talk about this with Joey in depth, was their hunger in defense 60s. They turned up in waves in cover defense. There were so many times in uh, the game where the Roosters had that much possession on the Eels' line and the Eels just scrambled and got off the line hard and, as you said, got there in numbers and shut down so many attacking plays. that the, the I mean, the Roosters launched wave after wave of attack and the Eels held them out. And, I mean, there's probably going to be aspects there where they'll be disappointed about um, a couple of the late tries that were scored that um, put the Roosters out to that lead. But, you know, that there's there's a journey that these girls are on where you can see the improvement from last year. And there's a number of returning players from last year as well as a, a number of new players to the team. But as a squad, you can see the improvement that's there. You can see the increase in skill levels. Um, they're a faster team. I think they're a little bit more aggressive than they were last year. And um, I think there's a lot of upside from that first match. And we'll get to see that this week when they take on the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs won their first match. So if the Eels can be successful against the Bulldogs, 
that'll put them in, uh, you know, a fairly positive frame of mind. And you know what? I'd like to think that they were in a positive frame of mind after that match. You know, you want them to hurt that they've lost, but you also want them to feel that they're heading in the right direction as well. Well, to give greater context to this clash for fans, uh, not only were the Indigenous Roosters Academy grand finals last year and, and easily won the two best teams in the competition, when these two teams met in round eight of 2021, the Eels lost 50 to nil at home. It was such a – and 50 nil probably didn't even do justice to how big a blowout it was. The Roosters were just so dominant. And we what we saw on Saturday, fast forward to 2022 round one, these girls held their own. And they really pushed one of the best teams in the competition. And they have all the, all the signs there of their use of the ball and their hunger and defense to, to suggest that they can actually make some noise in this competition. So it is very exciting for the Tasha Gale. And I would love to see them kickstart their campaign this week with a big win over the Bulldogs. Yeah, it'd be good to get on the board early for them this year because um, last year they had a bit of a – started with a bit of an unlucky loss against the – the Tigers, but then we also had a, a, a couple of blowout scores before they um, started to find a bit of cohesion and a bit of uh, form in the latter part of the season last year. So, as I said, they're, they're definitely got uh, an upside to what they're offering this season. And, uh, yeah, let's let's get a win this week, girls. We want to keep Joey waiting too much longer, mate, so let's wrap things up with your training recap. Uh, well, first of all, we um, can we – can we also mention the uh, sponsorship that's there for the uh, NRLW team? Because actually, actually a great point. It's a, we're talking about success in the women's space, mate. This is a, a huge win for the girls, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. So I believe they've filled up all the space that's available on the uh, jerseys and shorts coming into this season. And their sponsorship group includes um, A-Land, who are the Eels' major sponsor, the, the Lad Bible Group, uh, Macron, the uh, merchandise and um, apparel manufacturer, uh, Trivet Subaru, Motion Asia Pacific, and McDonald's. So, uh, it and those uh, those sponsorships, I believe, are locked in for a couple of years, and that all goes towards making the first of all the the operation of the NRLW team uh, self sustainable. And it also augurs towards the growth in the the future growth of the of the women's game and and the the team that we put onto the field too because if we're going to to move towards uh, professionalism for the women and you know we're we're not going to take uh, like giant leaps to the moon in the way that we go about this because what they want. Is they is they want it to be long term and they do want it to to be sustainable because uh, they're not going to suddenly jump to having sixteen teams and everyone plays each other in the same manner as the uh, NRL does. They they will grow the game with having quality players and competitive teams, and we're expecting that um, in the not too distant future that the Warriors will rejoin the comp and that probably another team will come in at that point and then you'll be up to eight teams and then you'll start to see where they get, where they will take the game, whether they are looking to have uh, home and away matches for those teams or, or whether they have a couple of seasons still un- under the current format of everyone plays each other once and then having a final series. But if you keep it strong 
every year if you if you have it so the finances are working out and then you're able to start to bring in having the the women properly remunerated for their play it, it all augurs well for the future and where that game is heading because as we know from talking to a lot of junior clubs and also from the statistics that we see in the game that the women slash girls game is a major growth area for the code, mm-hmm. a major growth area. And um, at any time that you are bringing in, um, first of all, the interest in players, so players taking up the game, then you're talking about the, the, the spectator interest that comes along with that. And then, of course, you start talking about the financial uh, interest and support that's there because, let's face it, if you've got participants, if you've got spectators, if you've got the big interest in the game, then you're just going to attract money into it as well. And for a professional game, that's it. That it, it, You can't deny that professional games need the financial support. Yeah, and like you mentioned, they want to create a self-sustaining model. That's I mean, this, this is a huge step forwards, you know, selling out your sponsorship uh, slots, you know, shows how much interest there is in this space and how much potential there is for the ladies game to grow into its own entity, you know, not even inside the shadow of the NRL itself. And that sort of also reflects on how, how high the quality of the product has been in recent seasons. So, so much to be excited for in the female space, in the NRLW, in the Tasha Gale. And I think that to the credit of uh, the NRL, that making that decision to um, create, uh, have it, all the players be free agents to and sign up with each of the clubs again was a clever move because mm-hmm. you, it, if you, you had a situation where we had four clubs there in the previous seasons, you'd had players that were aligned with certain clubs and for, two new franchises to start to have to find all the players that they need for their squads outside of the players who were, who were still contracted with their, with their other clubs. It just would have been a, it would have been a step too far and would not have made the competition as open as it's likely to be this season. So there's been some, I think some really good decisions that have been made in growing the game and getting it to this point with the product that it's going to be this year. Yes, sir. All right, before we get to Joey, mate, quickly, quickly, sorry, walk us through what's happened at training this week with the boys and the girls. Well, do you know what? Just watching training this week, I'm and I'm going to write a little bit about this in my uh, training report, is that I'm wondering now whether they're at the point where they are training as the squads that will be participating in the upcoming trials now just as a little um i suppose a little teaser with that there's been certain ways that they've trained in their opposed sessions up till now so uh, i've been used to the teams lining up in a particular way certain players playing in uh, certain positions for certain teams they, they basically will have their um, either their blue and red team through the week, which then becomes the the blue jersey and the white jersey on a Friday. And uh, players have been uh, in fairly constant, uh, consist- sorry, consistent combinations out there 
And, you know, I'll watch it and I'll think to myself, you know what, I could go close to picking the, what the team will be. Now, this week, it's mixed up. It's just there's a, a mixture of players um, and I wouldn't say, hang on, that's the NRL team, that's going to be the New South Wales Cup team. No, it's not. It's There is a genuine mixture of players there. So I'm thinking, hmm, one of these teams might be the team that's named coming into the uh, first trial against the Dragons. And that was that was my thought on Monday. And then I looked at training today and it would be mixed up a little bit, <laughs> not as much, but a little bit again. Shuffling so, some new cards into the uh, deck, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't – I really don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting because uh, BA and the coaches now have me guessing as to, as to what's going to transpire. But I've got to think that when I go there next week – that I'm probably likely to see the combinations uh, as as they would be. So, um, but yeah, just just a, a couple of players just to point out that um, I think last time we spoke, I was speaking about how well Jake Arthur was going, and then uh, I've had players like Hayes Dunster, who's who's really stepped up and and, and looked good. And and the interesting thing was uh, when we were covering the junior reps. And their presentation, uh, the presentation of their jerseys, and um, you were documenting with the photos there, and had a, a chance to speak to a couple of people. And I, I did ask, oh, I did compliment Hayes about his how well he was going at training. The first thing he did was um, heap the praise on Sean Russell, and and for good reason too. On the on the session that was held that particular day, Sean did play particularly well. So it's good to see. Um, you know what? It's a tough thing because I think if we hadn't recruited Bailey Simonson, just the the sort of preseason that Sean's having, that he would have been close to being in the running for um, a wing spot for the start of the year. So, um, uh, and then that's probably a good thing because if you've got um, players who maybe are deserving of a of a spot, like uh, certainly like Jake Arthur was or is in how he's performing in the preseason. And then I mentioned that um, Sean Russell had a really good week last week. And then I looked at today's session and um, and I thought that um, uh, Solomone Naiduki had, had a very solid session today. And and even even someone who's likely to start in the flag team, Josh Tuapalutu, he had um, a really good session today and was involved in a couple of tries. So... Um, yeah, it's it's good to see that there's players that are some hungry players, you know, nipping at the heels. Yeah, that, absolutely, have that hunger to, and and part of that hunger, I think, is that um, they're playing against their uh, players that they might have been cheering for from the sidelines in in previous years, and they can see when they're out there on that training track. They can match it with them, or the, or they feel like they belong as part of it. They are prepared to put that their best foot forward and and challenge the established stars, and that's a real positive that you get out of preseason training and seeing the young players that are given a preseason contract. The uh, you might call them train and trialers, but they're they're out there and they're they they're getting that opportunity to do a preseason as part of their their contract deal, and. The coaches get a look at him and, and see, okay, this this bloke looks like he can handle 
what they need to do to be an NRL player or or no, this bloke needs, um, you know, maybe this bloke needs a, another year or two in the lower grades before we start thinking about him for NRL. It, it's an interesting process that they go through. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm saying anyway that um, ne- I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah, next week's going to really get a bit of up. an idea about that, um, how that's the trial lineup's likely to be. The trial at Bank West versus St. George, which is notable because we haven't had a home trial. I honestly can't remember since we had a home trial. Can, can you recall? In, in all honesty, I, I'm struggling to remember trials at Parramatta State. Yeah, like let alone anything, you know, recently at Bank West or Combank, as it's now called. Uh, yeah, so it's actually a, a fairly notable milestone for the for fans of the club to get out there and support the team for that trial match. So on top of it, probably... Been, we have been notable for doing trial matches out in the country. Yeah, that's right, going to country or, you know, yep. um, like, you know, surrounds. We've been to Maitland. We've been all over the place. Parks, Forbes, I think, um, you know, all those sort of... Uh, country locales, which is a fantastic initiative. I'm not complaining. It's just that's why this particular trial is of so so much note. You know, get out and support your team with a, what should hopefully be a pretty exciting up and comers list. I imagine. Well, I'm if I'm getting some sort of indication from what I've been watching this week, I'm anticipating that there will be NRL players that participate in the in the first trial. So. Uh, we we've been used to recent years where the early trial has been um, fringe players and 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 there was that rule with the NRL about if you if you'd played so many NRL games the previous year that you uh, were only expected to play in one trial game. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know I I think we might get I I don't know how that rule is applying now, but I'm certainly expecting to see a, a few NRL players. Certainly, those with NRL experience out there for that first trial against the Dragons, and that'll be a wrap up on our sort of news and training reports. Let's jump into our next section, and I'll let you take it away, Sixties. Well, mate, as always, with it being junior rep season, the man to speak to is Joey Grimer, and Joey joins us after what was a challenging first round for the junior rep sides. Joey, thanks for joining us today, mate. G'day, 60s. Hey, Jono, and g'day to your listeners. Um, challenging, that's a word. Uh, I wouldn't, I would use another word, but um, we've got kids listening to this program, and it's disappointing. A little bit of deja vu. Uh, if you guys cast back 12 months ago, we had a very similar result to get exactly round one against Manly. So, um, and you know, we're not using that as an excuse, and we don't think that the seasons are going to eventuate similar to what they did last. Or we're not expecting that as they did last year when we lost first. But yeah, very, very disappointing. Uh, you guys seen all the footage, you've seen all the videos. We we've spoken briefly, and you, you may have spoken to some staff. Um, it was a tough week, very, very tough week. Um, especially in two of the three grades, it feels like our own worst enemies. It's it's always hard, Jono, when. Um, you're, and I don't want to sound disrespectful or big-headed, but 
when you're expected to um, um, play or get a particular result, um, it actually causes more angst. The games that you're 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 uh, scheduled to do well in are the games that have the greater possibility of that not happening uh, for whatever reason, and it happens in senior sport in the elite standards, and it also happens in the juniors, and that's certainly what happened on the weekend. And I'm not taking anything away from what the Roosters did, but rather what or how poor. Um, we played as a uh, a team um, in the Harold Matthews and the SG Ball. And um, um, a disclosure, I'm not um, uh, Natasha Gale are not in those two groups. Well, that's that's where I wanted to start because I wanted to start with the positive <clears throat> because although they lost, the Tasha Gale girls were very good against a quality Roosters side. So, what were your takes from that match, mate? Um. Uh, if you didn't listen, if your listeners didn't listen to your podcast from last week, I suggest they go back because the answers were there. Uh, we spoke about the areas of the staff of our under 19 Tasha Gower program, particularly led by Ryan Walker, how diligent and how hard and how tough and how different their off-season have been, not because of the quality or lack of quality from previous years, but just the way that the diligence and the, the, the way that the girls are, are, are bonding around each other. Um, that's been the greatest takeaway. Uh, so I'm not surprised at all, but very, very pleased. Um, last year, the Roosters put 40-plus uh, on us, yeah. um, and we were in a situation, and we I spoke about deja vu in your previous or your opening statement with the deja vu. Last year, we lost all three grades in the first round, and I'll tell you, I'll ask you a question, John, over 60s. Um, Last year, in all three grades, before we lost, we were winning at half time. What do you reckon yeah. happened in round one this year? Well, I think that was uh, the one of the opening paragraphs of my report on mm-hmm. the on the Eels site. Was, exactly um, what could have been because every every grade led at half time, yep. and yep. Um, and and you know what the. I don't know that the form differed too much in the second half. I think it was probably the uh, the opposition lifted a little bit more than we were able to in, in the, the game. Definitely of those the, matches, the Roosters hundred percent lifted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then that, that's what happens. And um, um, when you're playing, and I, I might have said this last year, when teams play against Parramatta and Penrith, um, some teams' uh, seasons are justified by the performance by or against those two clubs. Uh, because yep. of the nature of success in the past and previous years. However, the relationship or the way that young men and women are, there's not a real big difference irrespective of, you know, what team you play for, the speed, the size, the shape, the skill level um, is quite similar in a lot of areas. And you only have to be off your game a little bit or have that completion rate uh, not what it is and the opposition get a leg up and um, um, have the momentum on top of you. Well, I I was going to raise this in another question, but there is that aspect that all of the players that are playing junior reps, they're pretty much the elite within their district. So they're used to winning. They're used to playing playing well. um, I suppose they're used to being uh, able to lift at the right times um they're they're coming from successful teams probably within their district uh that's where i guess you're you're talking about there's there's not too much 
difference between a lot of the teams out there because you're dealing with uh, picking the best players that are available in all the junior districts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, every district is the same um, where they pick their best players available. And if there are players that are not attracted by their own club within their own district, then some clubs will um, um, creep over the border and take your better players or the players yeah. that aren't selected. So added with that, um, it brings the whole contest you know, 15, 20 years ago, traditionally there was a huge gap between the top two and top three, top four teams and the rest. Now, uh, we've seen it on the weekend uh, with respect to Newcastle. North the Sydney. Howell Matthews North Sydney team pumped Newcastle Knights. I don't know if uh, they've beaten Newcastle before, but that just shows you the, the level of consistency and how athletes are uh, how they're growing um, as young men and young women. Um, there, there, there comes a time where the top team can be beaten by the bottom team mm. or a bottom eight team can consistently beat a top eight team. We see it in the NRL. We see it in the junior reps. And just back quickly to the Tasha Gale, Joey, because this is something I wanted to talk about. Uh, last year, we were a very sort of power-heavy uh, power dominant team focused around Lasalle Cedar Payne's dominance in the red zone and across the entire park alongside Ruby John Kennard. What we saw on Saturday was a far more well balanced team. I thought that their ball play had improved significantly. The addition in the halves of Talara Bambut made a big difference. But what really shined in that loss to the Roosters was how desperate and hungry they were defensively on their goal line. And it's something that Sixes and I were talking about before, like during and after the game. They just swarmed in numbers, and while they eventually lost the game, they didn't, didn't sorry, they did themselves no discredit. They can hold their heads up high 100% after that effort. Oh, absolutely. And I think it, it stemmed from, I think early on, they had an onslaught of uh, uh, defence on in, in their, uh, or defending in their try line. And that actually gives you a little, a lot of confidence mm-hmm. um, in your attack. And you're right. Um, the players that we've got in our six, seven, nine, and one all had exemplary games. Um, um, Ashley Pottinger, our dummy half, and you know, leader through actions, uh, was astronomical, um, tying up. I think she made 23 tackles and one miss only on that. Um, she had made over 90 metres of running and she moved into the back row or in the, uh, into middle lock um, when we brought our interchange hooker on. And we've got some very, very clever halves mm-hmm. in our team and we've got another one in Rosemary Beckett coming back from um, um, COVID-19 protocols this week. So we've got a lot, a lot of players that have got um, good skill and possess some decent speed. Yeah. So that's the big difference from, from previous years. Mm-hmm. 60s and Jono? Yeah, it felt like the back line had a nice turn of speed. The back rowers were heavily involved too, alongside Ruby John Kennard and uh, Petalina Toa in the front row. So, like I said, the balance of the team just feels so much better this year, and I'm really, really keen to see how far they can go because a little bit of uh, wind in their sails, a little bit of self-belief, and the sky's the limits for this group. Uh, well, we'll see this week because um, uh, there is no three teams bigger in the Harold Matthews Eshi Ball and Tasha Gale than the Bulldogs team. So we'll get a real good indication to see um, how mentally uh, how mentally well we can bounce back from our round one. Let's uh, switch gears and look at the SG Ball who did uh, yep. fall to the – it's a combined Roosters really, isn't it? The Central Coast and Sydney Roosters uh, combined yeah. squad 14 to 8 up uh, at Maury Breen Oval on the Central Coast. Initial impression of this game was it was a bit more of a trial than a round one game, which isn't surprising. We often see that, like you mentioned last year against Manly, 
cohesion wasn't quite there. The team did miss out on trial time this preseason. Uh, but the Roosters would have been in a similar situation as well. Uh, what's your assessment of this match, mate? Yeah, look, uh, with all the ball that we had in the second half um, and that camped on their try line, um, I would have thought that if we iced those moments and we were a little bit more patient and we executed a little bit better, um, we could have been two tries up opposed to two tries down in the last 10 minutes. Um, and they're the small things. Um, the Roosters uh, brought back their players from their Jersey Fleck program and they brought them back uh, two weeks ago. They said, so they participated in the last trial against Illawarra. So they had a bit more continuity, and, and it looked exactly like that. Our Jersey flag players went back and didn't play a game, and they trained uh, the week leading into the game, and it certainly looked like that. That's something that we need to measure and look at moving forward, um, because obviously to win the first game of the round is a really, really good boost for your campaign uh, when you play your nine rounds in the junior reps. But um, it was a, it was just an indication that we, we we had that much ball on their line. We just weren't able to ice those moments, and um, um, I'm sure, and I'm I'm hoping that we can be a little bit more patient and a little bit more calm and turn those opportunities into points. Now, focusing on the mats, <clears throat> the uh, we we've spoken a little bit about this uh, forty and I and. And, and we spoke to you briefly on Saturday, the team completed a, at quite a low percentage rate. So when we're talking about completion rates, when you get back to training, are they easy to address or do the sort of errors that we made in not completing sets come from a number of areas that the coach coaches would like to work on? So rather than just saying, oh, it's completion rate, there's a whole lot of other areas you've got to fix up to, to get those completion rates better. It's a great question. It's a really good balance. And if you ask three different people, I'll give you three different answers. Um, my my um, honest appraisal is that um, if it's a skill deficiency, then we need to continue to work with those skill deficiencies. Even when you've got the skill to a reasonable level, it's just something as simple as the play of the ball. You still need to practice and continue to practice whether you are uh, ordinary at it, at that action or skill, or you're proficient. One of the areas that I think you also need to measure, the players already know when they've made a mistake. So you don't really need to highlight them in front of a group and and really uh, make it apparent. However, it is important that they are aware of uh, what they need to do better for the team. And I think that where rugby league is going now is that the players need to show more accountability. Now, you've seen training sessions where we do catch, pass, grip, carry drills, and we do it till they're blue in the face. Some of those errors were not skill-based errors. They were mental fatigue or um, um, er um, errors that came from lack of um, attention. So they're things that you can't really coach a player to have, rather coach a player to understand um, how to better themselves. And it might be, you know, we're always asking you to get a quick play of the ball, but how about we just give ourselves half a second extra to play that ball. Um, we just scored a try. Off the kickoff, it's a deep kick and the forward overruns the halfback. Things like that, that the players know what they should and shouldn't do, they need to be accountable for that. These men and women are young men and women, so they know that they're not allowed to, um, you know, get in front of someone to, part, to get the ball. It's a forward pass, but that changed the whole momentum uh, in that game. And they went on and to 
the score try now, Harold Matthews. They're the things that coaches can't coach out of players, but players can coach out of themselves. Does that make sense? Mm. Yep. And if 60s asked you the sort of more focus area type of question there, as a follow-up on a more macro level, uh, how do the coaches' leap pathways critique your team or the players after that sort of disappointing result on the whole, not from like a, a completion rate perspective? perspective or anything like that and asking this question i'm kind of drawn back to a memory of james maloney who yep. sort of often talked about having the memory of a, gold, yep. a goldfish and like you sort of just you've made the mistake you sort of put it behind you you move on whereas other people sort of get hyper focused on reviewing where they made mistakes and looking to better themselves because of it is there one correct way or is it this like a case of you sort of broad strokes you've got to uh, apply to different teams yeah, it's really tough. We're talking about a group of 15 or 16-year-olds. You, you, you tell a, a, a young three-year-old, four-year-old that don't touch that, touch that seat. It's just been painted. It's wet. What do they do? They go touch it. You say to the players who are 13 and 14, don't worry about it. Don't look at the scoreboard. What do they do? They look at the scoreboard. So it's a really fine balance. And we've got uh, young men and women that are 15 and 16 in our, um, you know, Elite Pathways programs. So each have a different way. However, I still feel it's important to have that constructive criticism and where you can feel or add benefit to fixing them up um, as a player, whether it's, um, you know, tactically, mentally or physically, then we need to um, um, give them that opportunity. But I really believe that the player accountability is becoming such a huge part of our game and because it's things that we don't do with training that they do on the games. There are rules and coaching philosophies that we need to use um, as a guide so the players know what they what, what our systems are and what they're expected to do. So I think the word that you're looking at is is um, player accountability mm -hmm. and um, them having a, a focus or attention to detail on what they're trying to do. Because who knows, a coach doesn't, uh, doesn't go out there and drop the ball and play the ball incorrectly or give away a penalty. Um, but we know it's part of the game. Some teams just do it better than other teams on the game. And normally the teams that do it better than the other teams are the one that's going to have uh, the W at the end of the game. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, um, can you give us any feedback on the other match that was played? There Because there was a, a development <coughs> squad having a hit out against the Sharks. How did that go? Yeah. That... It, it was a great, uh, great concept, 60s. What we've decided to do, because we're trying to um, uh, manufacture 2023 Harold Matthews side and um, for, for next year, um, the, the, the group that we've got in our senior development squad based off 15 and 16-year-olds have been the custodian of having no development programs due to COVID. So the club got in touch with the Bulldogs, West's Tigers, Penrith Panthers and Cronulla Sharks. And we organised a trial round robin where before the Harold Matthews match, of one of those five teams, an under-16s development squad would be played against the relevant opponent. So last week, we took on the Sharks at Cronulla and we had a squad of 31 players and we played three 25-minute halves. And uh, our squad is consisted, consistent of mostly 16s, but a lot of under 15 year olds we've got a, a nice group of under 15 year olds so we've pushed them into the squad and elevated them up to that senior development squad age group we've been training for every tuesday and thursday for the past three weeks 
leading into our first game. And we were very, very happy and um, um, really, really keen to um, um, get this program up and up and going. This week we play the Bulldogs in all four grades. So we've got the senior development squad at 9 o'clock. Then we've got the Tasha Gale at 10.30. Then the Harold Matthews at 12. And then the SG Ball at 1.30 at Cabramatta. But to go back to your original question, we were very successful in, in leading or winning eight tries to two. And uh, what was more impressive is the way that those young men carry themselves to get to Cronulla, the way they attended the game, the way they addressed the game, and the way they competed in the game. So uh, all reports, I've had a lot of unsolicited feedback from a number of uh, parents and, and, and opposition coaches and staff, and they said they were exemplary. And that's what we need. We've got another four games to play, and that will give our recruitment staff a real good understanding and opportunity to have a look at these uh, younger men, younger boys in our programs to ensure that they are what we need or have got what we need to get into our 2022-23 Harold Matthews program. And I suppose then the message is anyone that's heading out to New Era Stadium this week, get there a little bit early, get there just before <coughs> 9 o'clock that you can catch the development squad, have a hit out. I think it's going to be great, 60s. Um, because we've got the four games there, I've been told that the ground looks like a bowling green or a mm. billiard table. Yep. Um, so, and Parramatta and Bulldogs, uh, there's always that um, great junior nursery of both grades. So you know they're going to be a big physical contest. And, um, yeah, I, I just can't wait. Just bring your um, salami sandwiches and a couple of Coke Zeros because it's going to be a long day, 60s and Jono. Well, maybe I maybe I could go and pick up some lawn bowls and the uh, Cabramatta Club won't mind us getting out there on the field and have a little game of I'll lawn get, bowls. I'll, get the, rack, I'll get the rack in the snooker queues. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, there'll be a little Maltese bloke on the sideline yelling at you. Get off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so for better or worse, and unfortunately it's it's the worst for this year, round one's in the books and in the rear window, but that's fine. Like you mentioned, Joey, uh, we we have three in terms of the junior reps, but four for pathways, sides reaction against the dogs at New Year. Um, This is right in your wheelhouse as well, because logistically it must be such a huge advantage and must be so much less frustrating for you to have to to have to stage all those games at the same venue the same day instead of all across New South Wales like it is sometimes. I think it's great camaraderie for the club Mm -hmm. as well. And this, um, apart from round one, every game here on in, uh, whether we're home or away, is all played at the same venue with our Harold Matthews, SG Ball and Tasha Gale. So we've got, uh, you know, I've got 91 staff in the junior and development pathway that are in, um, in, in uh, or under under my programs and to orchestrate three different venues, one at Central Coast, one at Cronulla and one at Mascot. I don't think you can get further three positionings <laughs> was a challenge in itself because a lot of people think you need to just get there and organise, but you've got to have three marquees, you've got to have, um, you know, eight drink tubs, you've got to have... Two of everything multiplied by three, so it becomes logistically difficult. Then you have to get people to transform it, uh, tra- transport it. But as I've said many a time, I'm going to say it again: the people at the Parramatta are the best. You only ask them once, and they're only too happy to help. And I really appreciate what you're doing with that. Um, you know, the staff members putting them on your Instagram uh, Instagram 
page 60s in the Cumberland throw because they're the real heroes um, that do it week in and week out for the players. The players wouldn't know that they're here till late Friday night putting jerseys into bags and things like that. Um, so it's really, really important that you recognise it and thank you for that. But from a logistical point of view, um, it's much easier to our club than other clubs because we've got the best people in the joint. Well, it, I, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing all those matches out there this weekend. And um, we've we've also, in taking on the dogs, um, last week when we spoke to you, there wasn't too much that we could find out about the Roosters because there hadn't been the trial matches that we might normally have been able to get some footage on. Um, there's There was the first round and the dogs won all of their matches in the first round. So uh, what do we know about them and what's the expectations for this week? Yeah, I don't think the coaches are too concerned to know too much about them, but rather to get their own backyard right first. So I haven't watched any of the videos, uh, 60s, um, but I know uh, you and John are going to be their sideline and I reckon you'll have a detailed outcome as to how they're going to be. So I couldn't really tell you too much. All I know that... Um, they've got very, very classic halves in both squads and they're a big physical side, which is nothing, no different to any other Bulldog side. So um, are you are you giving um, live game? Yeah, there'll, there'll be update, updates to the, the free upgrades as well. Um, so. You might have uh, RSI or what do they call it now? Yeah, OLS, over you. What is it? Occupational overuse syndrome, yeah. now they call it. <laughs> Thankfully, we haven't got too many um, issues of carpal tunnel at the moment. But uh, okay, you yeah. could have. I could. You could have by three o'clock Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so hang on. O O U S. Oos. Is that what it is now? Oos. No. O O S. Occupational overuse syndrome. Oh, okay. And you used to be a school teacher. That's still us. Yeah. Yes. For for the Eels in the two of those three grades in the the young man's side, there's a few changes in those teams, mate. Got some reinforcements coming back in the mats with Kirby Herford, Tyrese Lakenny, and um, Tyson Sanglang in. And for the ball, Cody Parry gets a look in the back line. Uh, Ibrahim Fakhri and Terence Lafay also uh, featured in. Although New South Wales Rugby League has us as a with a vacant wing spot at the moment, so I'm not sure if that's a miss. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, unless, um, unless uh, John, a., you're making a comeback, but I reckon <laughs> your uh, two-day growth might give your age away, mate. <laughs> no, just put a sub, like the NFL, mate, sub me in for the red zone packages and I have a hard time stopping <laughs> me from short range. Uh, great, to, great, great to chat with you guys. You make me day better. I was having a really awful week, um, but hopefully, um, you know, talking to you guys, you just made my day a bit better and, Hopefully we go, we're talking about a lot more positive things and uh, like, this like, time next week. Like you on 60s mentioned, mate, massive day out at New Era at Cabramatta. Yep. Uh, you got three official grades plus the, the talent squad uh, below starting action at 9 o'clock. So if you've got nothing better to do, honestly, it is such a fun uh, like sort of afternoon, morning experience to get out there and watch all three grades. Uh, there's plenty of talent across all our reps. The Tasha Gale are ready to make a big jump this year, and that's so exciting. So get out there and support the young boys and girls in our pathways. And I uh, really w- want to encourage uh, not only, um, you know, Parramatta, but Parramatta Leafs Club are, are adjacent to the ground. They've got a number of restaurants, really good bistro food. And, um, yeah, get out there and support the Parramatta Junior Rugby League and uh, get over there and su- support your Parramatta Reels. And thanks again for your, your support, guys, Jono and 60s, um, particularly in this event and um, what you do on Instagram and so forth. Uh, it doesn't go unnoticed with the players. So thanks very much, guys.
Always Thanks, a pleasure Joey. to have you on, Joey. You keep well, mate, and we'll touch base on Saturday. See you later, legends, and goodbye to your listeners. And as always, we are extremely thankful for Joey taking time out of his extremely busy week to talk to us and to the listeners. 60s, I think that pretty much puts the wraps up, or wraps up, sorry, this episode. Anything you got in your mind before we move on? Mate, only that I would encourage people to get out to both of the venues this weekend, not just the Parramatta venue with in terms of the junior reps out at New Era Stadium at Cabramatta. And as Joey said, there's four grades that we can catch there, four matches of football. And if you're not able to get out there then, then of course you've also got the All-Stars Clash at Combank Stadium to get to and and not just to enjoy that as a as an event but also have a, having a look at the uh Parramatta NRLW players that will be running around for both teams so a bit to look forward to and as I said it almost feels like the football season right now oh, mate it's definitely revving up isn't it and an important uh, note for Saturday for the junior reps obviously if you can't get out there TCT will be doing live updates and even better uh, as part of that ramped up initiatives from New South Wales Rugby League, there's going to be live streams for all three junior rep grades, I believe. So stay tuned for a link there. We'll make we'll make sure to post one so you can watch if you're interstate or you know out of Sydney, um, be able to support the boys and girls in the reps that way. But yeah, um, very exciting. Looking to kickstart all three of those campaigns with a, a second up start, a second up victory, sorry, and yeah, and just start moving towards the real business end of the preseason for the senior grades. Yeah, and can I encourage that even with the uh, the live stream that's available, that as you mentioned, where we're doing the live blog there, and of course, what that means is if you want to jump on, if you're watching the live stream and you you want to jump on and comment about something that you've just seen in the in the match, you're more than welcome to uh, get onto the live blog. No one live blogs like forty, but you can jump on there, add a reply. You can maybe give a uh, a bit of a rap to someone that's done something fantastic out there, a brilliant try, a brilliant try-saving tackle, whatever the case may be. Remember, these are our junior reps, our young players. We try to be as positive as we can with them. We're, of course, we remember that they are elite players, so uh, there is room for criticism, but um, we also we also want to remind people that these are, uh, are young players that are treading that path of... Um, learning still learning the aspects of the elite game so um feel free to jump on let's uh let's get behind them yes sir and we'll court uh quits here for this episode of the tip sheet hope you enjoyed it thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen like 60 said there's plenty of conversations to join on the website whether it's the junior reps or training or beyond so feel free to do that otherwise we'll capture you catch you sorry not capture we'll catch you in the next episode stay safe